This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Amen, amen. Listen, I'm going to tell you from now, this word has been shaken. Not the sermon, the word of truth, the scriptures that that they don't lose it, their power. It, it transcends a, um, um, era and time and ages. It's, it's the living word that we can build our life on, that we could stand on. It's a firm foundation. It's not a shaking rock. It's a firm foundation. And the Lord says that men, we ought to always stay in the word of God to get direction, to get instruction, to get reproved, to get correction, to get guidance from the word of God. Something was about to happen as John was writing this. It was to prepare Israel of what they had not experienced before. And that was the long-awaited kingdom of God that was coming. God sent a prophet. It was prophesied to his father, Zechariah, who his son would be. And this prophet is John. And he came to announce the Messiah that was about to be revealed to Israel. And anyone who would know to do good, they had better be um, mindful of the message of this prophet. Because this prophet's message included something new that was coming to the children of Israel, to the nation of Israel. And they better make themselves ready for this message. You may ask, how do you make yourself ready for the Messiah? to enter, how do you make yourself ready? And John says, make your way straight. In other words, repent. I know we don't, we don't talk about that word today. I know we don't like to talk about the word repent. We, we like to talk about, you know, kind of kind of excuse, excuse your way into a rightful living. Just kind of make the right decisions and make the right choices. No, he's saying here, repent. And as I look around, I see a world, and God is saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But the church is lost in distractions. The church's voice have become silent. In the time that we are supposed to be occupying, and let me just get this straight, I'm not talking about a building, an ecclesiastical organization. I'm talking about men and women of God who call themselves children of God, followers of Jesus Christ. The church, where's the church? Where is one calling out in the wilderness? Where's your voice? As you look around and you see all that's happening in our world, are you conveniently silent? But God is saying he's looking for a people who would not be afraid to, to call out the crookedness, the crooked way that's among us, that's even in our own lives. And he says, make straight the way. We're living in a culture today where people want the blessings of God without repentance in their lives. They want all the goodness of God without turning their lives to him. They want God to, to excuse away or to bless them or to, to cover their, the consequences of their sins without actually God dealing with the sin that caused the consequence. And God is saying, we have to repent. 
God's message of repentance did not change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's still the same message today. If you don't believe me, we will see in the New Testament, Matthew 3, verses 1 and 8. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Mark 1, 14 through 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. This time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Mark 6, 12, the disciples, they went out and preached that people should repent. Luke 24, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Then we look at the early church, Acts 2. Repent, Peter said, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 3, 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing can come from the Lord. Acts 17, 13, 30, Paul says, in the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And finally, Acts, in his classical style of witnessing, he's standing before Paul um, Agrippa and he says to him, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. John preached repentance, Jesus preached repentance, the disciples preached the, um, um, repentance, the early church preached repentance, Paul preached repentance. Where is the repentance of today? Where is it? He says that that is the only way to salvation. Men must repent. Why? Because 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord does not delay in his promises as some understand as delay, but he's patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but so that all can come to repentance. He's saying to us, the reason why I'm delaying in my coming is because so many have not repented. And I wish that no one should perish, but all can come into the saving knowledge of the truth. There is no salvation, people, without repentance. You can believe all you want, but you will know your belief by your ability, by your fruits of repentance. Your actions will show what you believe. Jesus says in Luke 14, 27, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. There is something you gotta do. He told Peter, drop your nets and follow me. Have you dropped your nets? What identifies you, what you hold on to, what you hold, your way of life. He says, drop it and follow me. Far too often we hear, come to Jesus and he'll give you riches. Come to Jesus and he'll give you houses. Come to Jesus and he'll give you cars. That's not the message Jesus was preaching. He said, repent. Drop your nets and follow me. The subject of repentance is paramount to the gospel. There is no gospel, there is no good news without repentance. 
Jesus' gift to us is repentance. The very fact that we can come to a pure and holy God and turn from our ways is a gift to us from God. That we can actually repent. I want to define repentance for us. But before I do, let's define sin. Because it's because of sin that we need to repent to begin with. In the Bible, sin is not called a mistake. Mm -mm. Sin is not called a bad habit. It's not called my bad. It's called sin. So what is sin? Sin is any violation against God's divine standards. Sin is an affront against God. It is to miss the mark. I know it's not a popular word today, but it's the only word that God recognizes when we violate his standards, when we transgress against him. God calls it sin. Why? God's nature is perfect. He's righteous. And sin goes against his perfection and righteousness. Therefore, to come before a holy and perfect God, to have access to him, our sins must be addressed first. But what many people want is for God to change the consequences without addressing their sin. Leave my sin alone, God. Just fix the problem. Get rid of it. But don't ask me to adjust my sin. Don't ask me to, to swerve from my sin. Just help me feel better, look better, be better. Help a brother out, help a sister out. And Jesus is saying, before I deal with the fruit of sin, I must deal with the root of sin. So what is sin? Where does it lead us? Sin leads to death. People of God. Sin leads to death. Here's what Romans 6.22 says, for the wages of sin is death. James 1.15 says, then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Sin separates us from God. He's a holy God, pure, righteous. He cannot be in the presence of sin. That's why he told Adam, and once you violate these, these standards that I'm setting up to not eat of this tree, when you violate it, what did he tell them? You will surely die. Now we know Adam and Eve didn't physically die, but they lost intimacy, fellowship with God. They had a spiritual death. I wonder, Eve, if the fruit was that good. For you to give up and forfeit the very presence of God. How good was the fruit, Eve? And he can ask us today, how good is that pornographic habit to give up the very presence of God? How good is that unforgiveness to give up the very presence of God? That addictive behavior that you keep holding on to, how good is it to cause you to give up the very presence of God? The attitude, the arrogance, the pride, all these things. We look at Eve and we say, why'd you bite the fruit? But we're still biting the fruit. We're still holding on to things that cause us to give up the very presence of God, that cause us fellowship with God, that cause us intimacy with God. Your convenience is a fruit. God, I don't have time. Social media could be a fruit that I'm eating. It's taking away my time. It's become an idol to me. Those series, those TV series that takes all your time away from God, it's idolatry. 
I know these are not popular words, but I'm not here to be popular. Come on, somebody. I'm here to preach the word of truth. Make way for the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay, so if I know what, understand what sin is, it's a violation of God's divine standards and I need to repent of my sin, then what is repentance? I'm glad you asked. Repentance, the Greek word is metanoia, meaning to change your mind. It's a deep regret, a remorse that leads to turning away from sin and turning to God. It's more than changing your clothes your hairstyle, anything outward. It means to change one's mind. It's not a deep remorse that you got caught. That's not repentance. It's a deep remorse that I did it to begin with. Is somebody hearing this today? We gotta deal with this issue of sin because it's separating us from God. And God desires you. He desires intimacy with you. He desires fellowship with you. But you're allowing the fruit to separate you from God. The similar Hebrew word for repentance is halakha. It's the word for path or the way. So when John says make straight the way of the Lord, it's halakha. It means a new way. A new way to walk. A new way of living. To get off the path, you know what some people think? Repentance is I'm going this way and then all of a sudden I turn and I go this way. That's not repentance. Repentance is once I see that it's a sin and I recognize it's a sin, I just don't turn, I get off this path. That's not the way, that's not halakha. I gotta get off that path and get onto a new path. It's a new way of living. Are you still living like you were two, three years ago since you first believed? Are you still having the same addictions? Are you still wrestling with the same sin? I'm not saying that you won't wrestle with sin. What I'm saying is he gives you victory and power over sin. Sin does not have to master you. It's the way of the Holocaust. It's a new way of living. John was preaching this. And what it meant was, I had to lay down my rights. I had to lay down on my will. I had to come into alignment with his will. John came preaching this message, and the Jewish leaders were appalled. They were deeply offended. How dare he tell us to repent? Do you know who we are? We're the chosen children, a royal priesthood. We, we, for some of us today, we're, I'm filled with the Spirit. I have the gifts of the Spirit. How dare he tells me that I need to repent? They thought they were the elite. They thought this message wasn't for them. Jesus said to them, because you think you see, you will remain blind. I can't help people that don't think they need help, in other words. You know what's the scariest set of words in the Bible said by Jesus? Matthew 7, 23 says, Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. You know why that's so scary? He was saying this to people who thought they knew him. He was saying this to people who thought they believed. They knew him, but he, he didn't know them. 
He said, depart from me because I never knew you. Here was their response. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. And here lies the problem. They were hanging on to their works. What they did. And they misunderstood or mishandled what he did for them. Our ability to walk in God, to turn to God, is not based on our own strength. He enables us to repent. He enables us to walk a new path. It's his grace that we have righteousness. It's by his grace that we're walking in truth. It's by his grace that we get to live a new life. It is a life of victory, not defeat, because it's him and not me. A great example of repentance I see in the Bible is the life of Saul who became Paul. He was a religious man. Concerning the law, he was blameless. From the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And yet he was persecuting people because of his religion, because of what he thought was right. He was persecuting Christians and killing them as a badge of honor. His arrogance was fueled by his religion until one day he encountered Jesus. On his way to Damascus to persecute more believers, he heard the voice of the Lord and a light came so so bright that it blinded him. On this road, he surrendered to the Lord. His blindness forced him to look inwardly before he could see outwardly. That's what repentance does. It causes you to have to look inside. And when you see the wretchedness of your heart, of your way, it makes you cry out, Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. Listen, people want, Lord, give me a car. Lord, give me a house. Lord, give me a new job. But that's not of coming with salvation. Paul had to cry out to God, save me, for I am a wretched man. And listen, he was religious. But the Lord didn't know him. But on this road, he had an encounter with God, and his life was never the same. This is the same Paul that went on to write the majority of the New Testament. You cannot encounter Jesus and remain the same. No. If you're saying, well, I'm still the same person that I've always been, I'm trying to tell you, we got to get a new encounter, a real encounter, because once you encounter him, and once you've tasted and seen that he's good, you're ruined for anything else. All you want to do is live for him. Okay? I hear you, Pastor Nadine, but no man is good. No, not one, the um, uh, the scripture says. We all fall short of sin in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. I mean, what's in it for me? Because I'm always falling short, even as a believer. I'm always falling short to the things of God. So what say you do I do? You know, there's this thing called the highway. I can be driving on a highway. Okay, let's use a 95 or whatever highway you're watching from. And you know in your state, whatever the popular highway is. I'm I'm driving on this highway, and I'm seeing my exit to turn, but I keep driving. 
And I say, okay, you know what? I, that was an inconvenience for me. I'm gonna keep driving, I'll get to another one. But the other one is far in between, the last one I just passed. So now I keep driving and I, I, I saw another exit and man, I missed that exit. And now I've gotten comfortable just driving this way until I realize that I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's dark and I am lost. And then all of a sudden I see an exit for an overpass that could get me to the street, to the highway that I'm supposed to be on. So I'm on the lookout for this exit and finally I get that exit. I turn off of that exit, find the overpass. The overpass takes me to, and connects me to the right path, to the right highway that I'm supposed to be on to begin with. That's what sin does in our lives. It takes us where we didn't want to go it keeps us longer than we wanted to stay and it gets us doing things that we didn't intend to do to begin with but there's a highway there's a highway that gets me back onto the right path that highway is called repentance the highway is the, the, the overpass, excuse me, the overpass gets me onto the right highway, connects me to the right highway, so I'm going in the right direction. That overpass that connects me to the right highway is repentance. We're trying to get to the right highway, guys, but we're not repenting. Repentance gets me to the overpass, which gets me to the right highway so I can live the life the way of the holocaust. So, Pastor Nadine, if repentance is to get off the wrong path and get onto the right path, how do I know if there's things in my life that I need to repent of? How would I know? I don't, the, the Bible says that there are secret sins. There are hidden things. There's things, sins of omission, things of commission. How would I know that I have things in my life? What are those things that I need to repent of? Number one, God uses his word to guide us. Remember I said it earlier, oh, um, your word is a lamp to my feet, Psalm 119, 105, and a light to my path. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. God uses his word to correct us, to direct us into holy living. We read things in the word and when you stumble across it and you realize it, oh, oh, you feel that inside of you. I'm not living that. My life is not aligned to that. Okay, so repentance says I have to align with the truth that I just read. But oftentimes what we do, we read it and we just skip over it. God knows my heart. God is a forgiven God. He's a righteous God. He's a holy God. And why we will be without excuse? Because he's given us the power to live according to the way he's asked us to live. He's given us the ability to obey him, that we don't have to be slave to sin on it any longer because we have, as a believer, we have the spirit of God on the inside of us enable, enabling us to overpower sin, to debase sin, to rebuke sin, to master sin. But we give in because we want to feed our desires, we want to feed our flesh, we want to feed our appetite, and God is saying to us today, we have to starve our appetites because it's separating us from God. And the way, his way, his way is a different way from the way we live. It's a new way, it's the way of the Holocaust. It's the metanoia, it's the change of mind about my sin, about my behavior, about my actions 
Another way he, he shows us and leads us in repentance is through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us. John 16, 18 says, and when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin. Conviction of sin is God's way of inviting us back to a restored fellowship with him. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. When you turn your life to God, you give your life to Christ, it's more than a prayer. I'm turning from my way, I'm turning to his way. Is it easy? No, he helps me. And sometimes in my turning, I trip up, I fall and I sin, and he's there to pick us up and point us to the right way. So it's not that he leaves us to his, our own devices, he helps us and walks with us in the spirit of truth into righteousness, but we must follow. The conviction of the Holy Spirit comes to nudge us into righteous living, to nudge us to choose right over wrong, to lead us and guide us in the ways of Christ. And finally, he, he uses his body to encourage us. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help him back, a brother who's stumbling into sin, who's sinning, to you who are godly should gently and humbly help him back onto the right path. We come alongside one another. Iron sharpens iron. We reprove one another. Hey, you said that that wasn't right. That's not the way of the Lord. Oh, but no, you know what? That's not my business. You are your brother's keeper. You are your sister's keeper. We, when we see our brothers and sisters living in according to a way that's going to keep them separated and disfellowship from God, that should concern us. Not in arrogance, in love. Patience with one another. Come alongside. Love on the brother. Love on the sisters. Because I love you, I'm saying this to you. No, but when we close our eyes to the sin that they're in that's going to lead them in eternal um, 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 separation from God. Is that truly love? I beg to differ. So what are the steps to true repentance? What are the steps to true repentance? I think people have an idea of repentance, but there's biblical repentance. Repentance, repentance that's biblical. What does that look like? Number one. If you want to walk in true repentance, and we're all, no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, you're, we're going to all need to cultivate a path of repentance, a heart of repentance, a way of repentance, because we're always falling short. We're always missing the mark and violating the standards of God. Now, as we grow in God, as we continue to grow in God, that, that, that missing the mark should decrease and decrease and decrease. But we're not perfect, and we will fall short, not because we have to. Let me just say that, it's because we choose to. But when we do, how do I repent? One, you have to acknowledge your sin. Psalm 51, David is saying, against you and you alone have, just read that song and you'll see David's repentance after he slept with Bathsheba, who wasn't his wife, was another man's wife, and got her pregnant and then killed the man to cover it. Let me tell you what sin does, it leads you into more sin. Cover up, cover up, cover up. And so he's trying to cover up and Nathan the prophet goes and calls him out and he, he pens this psalm. He says, against you, oh God. And you alone have I sinned. He recognized the sin. If you don't believe it's a sin, you will not repent of it. You must acknowledge your sin. There must be a recognition. No blame shifting. 
This, the, 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 Adam said, the woman you gave me made me do it. The woman said, the serpent made me do it. No, we have to take ownership and responsibility for the choices that has put us in the position to begin with to sin. And when we do, we're in posture to receive God's forgiveness. Another step to true repentance, after you acknowledge it, you must confess the sin. Lord, I was wrong. Confess. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The word confess there means to say the same as. What does that mean? I must say about the sin what God says about it. I must confess what God says about it. I'm not trying to say, well, you know what, I, I messed up. No, I need to go before God and confess. Here's what um, 1 John, um, um, I'm sorry, Psalm 32, 5 says, then I acknowledge my sin to you, O God, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. We must confess it. We must have godly sorrow over it. Number three, remorse over what, what you now recognize. The Bible calls this godly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, which leads to no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11. Judas had worldly sorrow. He took the money that was paid to him to give up the presence of God eternally, and he brought that money back at the men who paid it to him. But he had regret, but he didn't have godly sorrow because what did he do next? He went and hung himself. Godly sorrow leads to life. Worldly sorrow, according to 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11, brings death. We must have a godly sorrow. Not that I got caught, but the fact that I did it to begin with. I have remorse over my actions, God. Against you and you alone have I committed this grave act. Forgive me, God. But then it doesn't stop there. We must forsake the sin. Here's the biggest challenge. I must make a decision. Somebody say, make a decision. Just type in the comment section, make a decision. I must make a decision to turn from it to get off that road, to get off that path, and get on the path of righteousness. Uh, Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who conceals his sin will not prosper, but he who for, who, whoever confesses and forsakes his sin will receive mercy. You're doing something that demonstrates that I wanna turn from this thing. So we acknowledge, we confess, we remorse, and then we forsake the sin. This is biblical repentance. So how do I know if I've, I've actually repented? I mean, I think I've repented, but I, I'm not quite sure if I have. I just want to make sure that I'm walking in repentance, that my heart is postured toward repentance. Well, you will know by these evidence you will have a change of heart. You'll be horrified by what you've done. You'll be cut to the heart with conviction. As the prophet Isaiah says in, in chapter six, verse five, woe to me for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I've said some things, oh God. 
I've, this was a godly man. This was a prophet. I've said some things, oh God. I've used the lips of prophecy and I've said things that has been an assault against your divine standard. Lord, forgive me. My words, oh Lord, my thoughts. I've thought some things, God, that has been an assault against your divine standards. I've done some things, oh God. You have a change of heart. But another evidence of repentance is that you want to make amends. It's, it's, it's more than just a feeling. Now I got to do something with what I feel. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he made amends. Here and now, he says, I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount, Luke 19.8 says. And Jesus confirmed the authenticity of Zacchaeus' repentance, and he says to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. You're walking in repentance. Today, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house. You're making amends. But another evidence is that you express remorse. A repentant person won't try to minimize or downplay or excuse away what they have done. They won't point all their, to all their good deeds to overshadow or cancel out their bad. They'll view even their righteousness as filthy rags. They express remorse. They'll take responsibility and acknowledge the damage they've done, not only to God, but perhaps to others. Then they accept their consequences. When the thief on the cross repented, he said to his companion, do you not fear God? He was there on the cross, dying, next to the Lord. And another thief is on the other side, and he's looking at Jesus, he says, you don't deserve to be here. We deserve to be here. This is him accepting his consequences. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. Luke 23, 40 to 41. And Jesus commended his repentance by assuring him of salvation. And Jesus says, surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And then as I reiterated from before, you have a changed behavior. A truly repentant person will proactively work to change their behavior. They're, they're avoiding temptations that lead to sin. I want to give you an example of how you do that. Because temptation is not the sin. Given into the temptation is the sin. And wherever there is a temptation, the scripture says, God has given us a way out, a way to escape. We don't have to submit to the temptation that we're experiencing. We can overcome the temptation. But how can we avoid the temptation to begin with? How do we not put ourselves in positions to be tempted? Being alone with the computer if there's an addiction problem on the computer, right? Giving someone your password. If you're going to places that you shouldn't be going on the computer, having people in your life to hold you accountable, if you're gossiping or you're prideful, prideful or you're arrogant, allowing people to speak into your life without that burn of who you are, who are you to talk to me? 
We have to create these, these, these pathways in our lives so that I know that I'm, I'm cushioning myself from giving into temptations to begin with. I love this illustration. You know, if you have a weakness for Dunkin' Donuts, I don't know, you just love Dunkin' Donuts. So every time you, you drive by, you say, I'm not gonna eat from Dunkin' Donuts any longer. But on your way to work, there's a Dunkin' Donuts right there at the corner. And it's so easy that at the light, I can actually turn into the Dunkin' Donuts. They put that easy pathway right at the light at the corner. They did it for me. And I could turn into the Dunkin' Donuts. And every time I'm saying no more, no more, I find myself, sure enough, the light is red and it's right there and I can have easy access into the Dunkin' Donuts. And I often do it, drive into the Dunkin' Donuts. And I keep buying the same stuff. It's not good for me, it's not good for my sugar, the calorie count, I have health issues, diabetes, whatever it is, and I'm not supposed to be eating this, but the convenience to get there is so easy. Here's what I gotta do when I'm talking about changed behavior. Because, oh gosh, people of God, it'll cost you. I know they don't talk about that. But you're gonna follow God, it's gonna cost you. You're gonna have to lay down your will, lay down your rights, lay down your ways. It's the halakha. It's to come off your path onto a new path. So if I know I don't wanna be in this Dunkin' Donuts eating what I shouldn't be eating, what I have to do, I have to take a new route. So now I'm going to work, but I'm driving a new way. But here's the problem. I'm showing up to work late, God. I'm taking a longer route. And now I'm showing up to work late. I got to go back to the old path. And God says, no, get up earlier. Oh, I'm talking about the sacrifice. Because I don't want to do this anymore. And I need a new path. And I need a new way. Because this way is going to separate me from the things of God. And so if I got to wake up earlier to take the longer way to avoid the temptation to sin, some of you got to take a new way. You got to give up the way that you're on and get onto a new path, a new way that leads you to righteousness. All have sinned. The world is judged as guilty as I close. However, the judge sent Christ to cross to the cross to bear our guilt. The righteousness of Christ is credited to all who come through him. Everything outside of that is filthy rags. All our good, all our hard work, all of it is nothing. It falls short to the standard of God. But when we repent, we stand before God as if we have never sinned because we have been accredited with his righteousness when we come through Christ. All God's goodness, all God's righteousness, all God's holiness is now being bestowed on us because we have made his way my way. I've turned my life over to him. I've confessed, I've repented, I've gotten off my path onto a new path. Isaiah 30, 15 says, your deliverance is in your repentance. Repent and return so your sins can be wiped away and times of profession may come to you. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? 
you can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.